Praise God. Amen. We'd like to welcome everyone here today. If you're a guest with us for the first time, we're so glad that you're here today worshiping with us, and we welcome you today. We're so glad that you're here, and it's good to see everyone here today. And again, it's so good to have with us uh, Jeremy and Krista Favors, missionaries to Luxembourg. We're so glad they're here worshiping with us this morning. Amen. Praise God. If you've got a Bible, if you would go with me to John chapter 7. John chapter 7. John chapter 7 and verse 37. John seven thirty-seven. On the last day, that great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, saying, If anyone thirsts, let him come to me and drink. This is not where we're going, but I just want to point this out. It's always good to know. Notice what he said there. He said, If anyone thirsts, let him come unto me. Too many times we wait for God to come to us. But the invitation here is for him, for us to come to him. He who believes in me, as the scripture has said, out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Everybody say flow. Flow rivers of living water. But this he spoke concerning the spirit whom he those believing in him would receive for the Holy Spirit was not given yet because Jesus was not yet glorified. God bless you. You can be seated. And as you're seated, let's see if you can do two things at one time. Go to James chapter 1. James chapter 1. And I'm going to read. I read the last one out of the New King James and I'm going to read again out of the New King James Version. James chapter 3 verse number 1. There's a lot of good nuggets in this and I'll try to Stay away from picking them all out. But verse 1 says, My brethren, let not many of you become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. For we all stumble in many things. Can we at least say amen to that? For we all stumble in many things. If anyone does not stumble in word, he is a perfect man, able to bridle the whole body. Indeed, we put bits in horses' mouths, that they may obey us, and we turn their whole body. Look also at ships. Although they are so large and are driven by fierce winds, they are turned by a very small rudder, wherever the pilot desires. Even so, the tongue is a little member and boasts great things. So see how great a forest a little fire kindles, and the tongue is a fire, a world of iniquity, The tongue is so set among our members that it defiles the whole body and sets on fire the course of nature. It is this, it is set on fire by hell. For every kind of beast and bird and reptile and creature of the sea is tamed and has been tamed by mankind, but no man can tame the tongue. No man can tame the tongue. It is unruly evil, full of deadly poison. With it we bless our God and Father, and with it we curse men who have been made in the similitude of God. Out of the same mouth proceed 
blessing and cursing. My brethren, these things ought not to be so. Does a spring send forth fresh water and bitter water from the same opening? Can a fig tree, my brethren, bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Thus no spring yields both salt water and fresh water. It is God's desire that all of us, all of us have a flow of the Holy Ghost in our lives. In fact, Psalms 147 says, he causes the wind to blow and the waters to flow. It is God's desire that every person in this place have a flow of the Holy Ghost in your life. That doesn't simply mean that you're a church attendee. That doesn't mean simply that you're a believer but that means that you have an active flow of the Holy Ghost in your life every day. It is God's desire. Why? First and foremost, John chapter 7 describes this flow of the Holy Ghost as a river. A river, not simply a river, but a river of living water. And then James comes back and tells us that the tongue is the most unruly member of our body and a tongue no man can tame. Now that seems like we're being set up there because James tells us that our tongue determines the direction of our entire life. That our tongue determines the direction of our body. He says these massive ships have all this power but are steered by a rudder. Just a small portion of, the, of, of a ship. And that you and I, our lives are steered by our tongue. But then he comes back and says, oh, but by the way, no man can tame his tongue. Well, thanks a lot, James. You're telling me that my tongue is my problem, but you're telling me I can't fix the problem. Thanks a lot. You ever had, you know, you ever had people that are, are great at pointing out the problem, so when you ask them for a solution, they don't have one. They'll tell you the problem. But when you ask them, you know, so what, did you, what should you do? Oh, I don't know what you to do. I just know what's wrong. Well, great. If you know what's wrong, then tell us what's right. James is like, hey, let me tell you something. Your tongue is your problem. But by the way, you can't fix it. Got it. Thank you, sir, for that. So it's no coincidence, and James gives us insight. And I've often said this before. Why did God choose to manifest himself in your life, in his spirit, He could have used anything. I know this sounds silly, but he could have used anything as the evidence of his spirit being in your life. He could have chosen anything. I mean, it sounds stupid, but he could have said, hey, when you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to tap your leg. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to wave your hands. That's the evidence. When you receive the Holy Ghost, you're going to jump up and down. 
But he said when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, you're going to speak with a new tongue. But not your tongue. It's your tongue, but the influence is no longer your influence, but it comes from him. Why did he choose that? as the manifestation of his spirit being in our lives. Well, first and foremost, when you receive the baptism of the Holy Ghost, that's supposed to change you. You know what? I was thinking about this the other day. I'm I'm deviating for a moment. That church has become more of an event for most people than an encounter. Because you want an event, you know what? You were there. I was there. I've, there I've, been to, I've been to some events. I'm there. And But you know what? When I go to an event, I'm not really that invested into it. And when I leave that event, I leave it. But an encounter is supposed to change you. Church was never supposed to be an event. Church was always supposed to be an encounter. Church was never about to be about an event of coming together, singing a few songs, hearing some person ramble on for 25 minutes, going home and continuing our day. But church was supposed to be an encounter. And receiving the Holy Ghost in our lives is supposed to be a life-changing encounter. You're not supposed to be the same. When you receive the Holy Ghost. I, my, my, wife, my wife last Sunday night brought a friend with her. And the friend, friend received the Holy Ghost. She called my wife. I don't know what day it was. It was sometime this week. She called my wife. And she said, I can't believe this. She said, I've been reading. She's been, she's been at some sort of Christian for the last number of years, over a decade. But she said, I, I can't believe this. She said, I'm reading the Bible. I'm seeing things I've never seen seen before. I'm looking at stuff. I've never seen stuff. She's like, you know how many times it talks about Jesus' name in the Bible? I've never seen that before. Why? Because when you receive the Holy Ghost, it's supposed to change you. But in order to change you, something in your life has to steer that change. I'm thankful. I, I believe. I'm, I'm going to say this, and I'm going to. I'm, I'm going to shock somebody here today. But I believe that we need to confess that He is our Savior. I believe in that. I believe in confession. I believe that we need to proclaim that Jesus Christ is Lord. However, my proclamation does not change me. From me saying, Lord, I believe that you're God. I believe that you died for my sins. I want you in my life. That does not change me. Because if that changes me, I have a problem. I still have a member of my body that's spinning me out of control. Without the Holy Ghost in my life, I have no ability to control the rudder of my life. 
And can I be honest with you? Brother James said it truthfully. We all struggle. And there's not one person in here, including me, not one person in this room today that we have, have, have sat down and we've told ourselves, you know what, I'm going to change. But only to find ourselves repeating the same actions over and over again. Why? Because we're helpless to change. We're powerless to change. If you could change on your own, you wouldn't be sitting here today. You would have figured it out a long time ago. The fact that we sit here today is an acknowledgement that I can't change on my own. That doesn't mean that the world is full of bad people. There's some good people in this world. There are people that are genuinely good. Obviously, there's people all, all the time that change, that change uh, 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 their habits and change their life and do things and 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 and. and, 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 and don't have any kind of belief in God. So I'm not saying that's impossible for a human being to make some improvements, but to truly change your life, you cannot do that on your own. So God chose, not by accident, but he chose to manifest himself in our lives by manifesting himself through the one member that could do the most change. And he chose to manifest his spirit in our life by us speaking in a new tongue. Do you know the power of the spoken word? The Bible says there's life and death in the power of the tongue. But you know what? This tongue doesn't always speak life. There's a lot of stuff that comes out. I wish sometimes that stuff came out, I could grab it and put it back in. And we can get a net out there. Because you just, you know, we're humans. Some of you are you just, you're just as good as they come. I mean, you got a halo polished on your head. For the rest of us, they get frustrated, they get mad, that they get angry. We're not always. Thank you, Jesus, for this great day. Lord, you're so awesome. We just love you so much, Jesus. Boy, just this living for God thing, it's so great. It's wake up in the morning and the birds are chirping and Jesus loves me. And oh, I just love. I know some of you in there like that. You just, I mean, every day is a good day for you. For us, the rest of us, my God. I mean, some days, can I be honest with you? Probably not the best thing to admit when you're holding the microphone. Some days I'm like, just to pray. Oh, my goodness. I mean, I'm like, hallelujah, thank you, Jesus. How long have I been praying? Man, Ooh, I love you, Jesus. Come on, I'm, that's 30 seconds. My goodness. Oh, don't sit there and act like you just pray five hours a day. You lying. You lying. There's an altar up here. You need to repent. And it's carpeted so you can get down on your face and repent. You know good and well it's not like that. But the fact of the matter is he manifests himself in our lives by taming the one thing that has the power to change us. However, 
if he allowed it to come in our heart and change us, but we had to speak in our native tongue, we'd still have to speak out of our intellect. So he knew that this brain of ours would always be a stumbling block. So what did he do? He said, not only am I going to manifest myself by letting you speak in a new language, but I'm going to bypass your brain. Because if I've got to speak, come on, let's be honest. There's a lot of times I'm speaking, but I'm not believing what I'm saying. As a lot of times you you speak something, and even in prayer, and you're speaking it, but uh, not much faith going through that. So he says, listen, because of your humanity and your frailty, I'm going to give you a way to bypass your unbelief. I'm going to give you a way to bypass your faults, your failures, your unbelief, your shortcomings, and I'm going to let you tap into my faith. Because the scripture says, by faith in the Son of God, but that's actually, you can reverse that and say, by the Son of God's faith. So we can let his faith pray through us. His faith is perfect. His faith is flawless. His faith has moved mountains. His faith has spanned valleys. His faith has changed the course of rivers. His faith, my faith, eh, depends on what time of day I get up. Depends on what side of the bed I get on. Sometimes my faith is not always up here. So he says, I'll give you the ability to tap into my faith. But even on top of that, oh man. You ever heard somebody that is just they speak and it's so beautiful and descriptive and their voice is just wonderful. You could just almost just sit there and listen to their voice. They could read the phone book. I mean, James Earl Jones could read the phone book. And that would be entertaining. I mean, his voice is just, it's just butter, just smooth. I mean, it's just, it's just, I mean, James Earl Jones' voice, he could be reading the menu at McDonald's and I would just be like, Man, I don't even like a fish sandwich, but I want one now because you said filet fish I mean, he just, good. I mean, it would just be, it's just good. And it's just, you, you, there's people that are able to describe, and I, I envy some of you. Some of you in here are very, very amazing writers. You can sit down and you can so describe descriptively just write out, I mean, everything in your life. And it's so beautiful and well-written and, 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 and just amazing. But I don't have that ability. I, I, I'm not that skilled in writing. I don't, I don't like, first of all, I don't really care to write, but I'm just not, I don't have that gift. And some of you have that gift to write in beautiful words. But you ever come in a situation where you just don't have the words or just don't know how to describe, or, or even if you could describe it, you don't even want to know how to describe it. You don't even know how to even say it. He says, I got you covered. Because not only am I going to let you pray with my faith, but I'm going to let you pray with my words. 
I'm going to let my word flow through you. How many of you, let's be honest, how many of you would have loved to have been living during the time of the Gospels to see Jesus? I mean, that would have been amazing, right? I mean, I've often thought about, I don't like fish, but I would have loved to have eaten the fish that he made out of those two that were brought to him. I'd have loved to have tasted the bread that he broke and made out of those five stale loaves of bread. I'd have loved to have done that. I'd have loved to have been there and watched all that. And how many of you, when you read the gospel, once you see Jesus and it's like, man, there was nothing he couldn't do. And then to realize and stop for a moment and go, wait a minute. Actually, to have been living there in that time, you would have been cheated. Because amazing as it would to have seen all that in person, it's actually a step down. Because to live in that time, you could only see Jesus. But you and I today have the opportunity to have that Jesus in us. Folks, people came from all over just to see him, just to touch him. I mean, that would have been amazing to see. But then you stop, wait a minute, time out. I mean, I've often thought about how cool it had been to be there when Moses got up on the rock, lifted up the staff, and all of a sudden the sea began to part. I mean, that would have been absolutely amazing. I'd have loved to have been there, been on the battlefield, hide behind a a tree or something probably, peering out watching this little shepherd boy walk out into a field against this giant going, oh, this is going to this is going to end bad. This is going to end really bad. And watching this little boy beat up on this nine-foot-tall man. That would have been amazing to see. I mean, there's so many events in Scripture, it would have been awesome to have been there to watch. I mean, Think about it. How awesome would it have been to walk into the tabernacle and see the altar of incense and see the, the table of shoe bread and see all the things that were there. That, that would have been amazing. But then I'm like, oh, stop. Wait a minute. Time out. That'd be a step down from you and I today. Think about all the Old Testament characters that you love. Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, David, Esther. All these amazing people of the Old Testament that we look at and we go, man, these were amazing people. Joseph, Adam, all these amazing men and women in the Old Testament. And to think about, they actually would trade places with us today. Not because we drive cars and we have cell phones. They would trade places because you and I have an opportunity for something they didn't have. And I wonder, I'm not saying this is the case. So this is my, this, this, my Bible has an extra chapter in it. I'm going to read from that right now. Because I wonder if they're, they sit down, they sit in heaven and they look down at us. And David looks down and goes, 
how can those people sit there and just go through the motions? Don't they know what an opportunity they had? I mean, they look at me and they envy me, but all I had was a harp and some sheep. And I wasn't even allowed to experience the presence of God. Not only are they allowed to experience the presence of God, but the presence of God is allowed to be in them. How could they ever, ever miss that opportunity? Think about it. Think about Moses going, I mean, yeah, I led a few million people out of Egypt, but man... That wasn't that great. Okay, so he talked to me in a bush of fire. That wasn't, look at the opportunity they've got. You're going, oh, that's just so silly, preacher. That can't be the case. Really? Read the Bible. The Bible says even the least in the kingdom of God was greater than John the Baptist. And they would leave the country and go out in the middle of the desert to watch a man that was out of his mind preach. And even the person in here Tavon, you've had the Holy Ghost now, not even, has it been a week? Yeah, it's been a week. Happy week anniversary. I, I miss flowers. I would have brought you flowers. Even Tavon, who's had the Holy Ghost now for 10 days, has greater things in him than John the Baptist, who spoke power and people were converted. 10 days of having the Holy Ghost, he's greater in the kingdom of God than John the Baptist. John the Baptist baptized Jesus. That's a pretty cool that's a pretty cool gig if you can get it. John the Baptist baptized Jesus and in 10 days, actually it was less than that about Two seconds after he received the Holy Ghost, Tavon said, listen, John, I appreciate all you did, buddy, but I'm about to step in line. You're going to have to get behind me. If John the Baptist walked in here today with his camel skin on and his handful of locusts, we would go, oh, that's John the Baptist. Ooh, I can't wait to hear what he has to say. And he would, you know what he would do? He'd sit down and go, boy, I can't wait for what anyone in here has to say. He'd have given the microphone to Tavon and said, Tavon, tell me something. You think, well, that's crazy. Read the book. And you and I are in this place today, and it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter your problems, your difficulties. It doesn't matter that you can't seem to get out of your own way, that you've got problems and issues and all that. You today are greater than all of those great characters. Excuse me, but when I got the Holy Ghost... I said, Brother Abraham, good to see you. Adam, good to see you. David, good to see you. Joseph, I like your coat. Jacob, how you doing, man? Isaac, how you doing, man? Good to see you. Uh, yeah, you, I'm coming up. The, I'm sorry, y'all gonna have to stand right there because I'm in the front of the line. You said, well, that not that kind of egotistical? Yeah, it is because you know what? I've got Jesus in me.
you have got Jesus in you. And with that opportunity, you want to fit church in a little box and say, well, I'm going to come to church when it's convenient to me. When you have the opportunity... Well, you know what? You don't know all my you don't know all my shortcomings. You don't know that I can't do this and I've got this problem and I've got that. James already got you covered. He said everybody struggles. Well, you don't know. I, I'm I'm not that spiritual. You ever heard of this word? Let me spell it out for you in case you forget it. It's called B L Double O D. It's called the blood. And he went to Calvary. And he shed his blood because he realized you were never going to get it right. So he said, I got you covered. But even after all that, you and I have got more power in us than the man who went like this and boom, the Red Sea parted. I mean, they make movies out after that guy. I mean, movies have been made. They're not making a movie out of this life, but according to the Bible, I'm greater than they are. Why? Because I've got him in me flowing out of me like a river. I was standing, I think it was Friday. It was Friday. Standing at my sink. And as a... As a preacher, you always kind of have, you never really turn off that, I don't know what part of it it is, and you're always kind of tapped in to something waiting for the Lord to speak. And I'd been away this week and came back home and waiting for what the Lord wanted to speak about, seeking after the Lord, just, you know, okay, Lord, whatever you want to speak. Sitting there at my sink, and we live in a townhome. It has three floors to it. And the, uh, the, our bedroom's on the third floor. And the, uh, uh, the, the hot water heater is, at the, is in the bottom. So it's three floors to get to where we are. And, and not only that, but it's, it's our bathroom is kind of over in the corner of the house. And it's, it's the farthest, our sinks are the farthest extremity of the house to that hot water. And so I, I forgot what I was doing. I was doing something, and I was, I was just washing up real quick to go out. And I do what I always do, and I went to the sink, and I just turned on the water, turned on the hot water. Didn't turn on the cold, turned on the hot water. And guess what came out? Cold water. And I stood there like I always do, and I'm standing there, and it takes, it's got to take at least 30 to 60 seconds sometimes. And I'm standing there waiting for the water to come. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Waiting and waiting and waiting. Finally, after about 60 seconds, hot water starts to come out. And all of a sudden, wham! The the Holy Ghost just spoke to me. And the Lord began to talk to me. And I realized something. The moment I turned that faucet on, the hot water was released. But because of all the stuff that was in the line, it took a while before the hot water 
could manifest itself. The moment I turned on the faucet, the water was coming. But because there was so much stuff in the line that had set all week while we were out of town, all of that water had gotten cold. And if I'd have turned on the faucet and felt the water and go, well, this, something's broke. Call, I, I got to go call somebody. I, I call, I'd probably call Brent. Brent, I got to get somebody over here, man. My hot water heater's broke. Well, what'd you do? I turned on the water, nothing came out. I could have blamed it on the hot water heater. But I know because I've lived there now for several years, you got to give it a moment. Because it takes a little time to get all the cold water out of the line so that you can get the warm water to the source of where you need it. Now, if you go down to the basement bathroom that's right across the hall from the hot water heater, you turn it on, probably within three seconds you got warm water because it's closer. But the farther you get away from the source, the longer it takes for the manifestation of what you're wanting to appear. So in order to change that time, I would have to change where the source is. Because it's not the problem isn't there's something broke at the source. The problem is I've got too much distance between me and the source. So when I turn something on, it takes too long. And there's some days, I mean, you get up in the morning, you turn on the shower because I shower the same deal. You turn on and it's like, I mean, go down, have breakfast, come back up and it might be warm. It takes forever. I don't know if you live in a house like that. It takes forever for the water to get there. There's nothing wrong with the hot water. In fact, we've got natural gas hot water heater. That stuff comes out smoking hot. It's nothing wrong with the hot water heater. The problem is the distance in the house and all the turns that that water has to go through and all the stuff that has to be pushed out of the way in front of the source so that the source can finally get to where I want it to manifest. So if I would got tired of that, I'd have to bring the hot water heater up to the third floor to make the hot water heater closer to where I needed it. There are some of you in this place today that when you begin to pray, you're like, well, I don't really feel anything. Well, God must not love me. Well, you know, that I must not be, something must be broke. No, the problem is you've created too much of a gap in your life between you and God, and you've got too much stuff that's accumulated in your life. So the moment you begin to pray, guess what? God hears you. You don't begin to pray and God said, what was that? Somebody, I hear noise. Hold on a second. Let me turn it up up here. What, what, what is that? Is, is Jai, oh, Jesus, that's me. Okay, I'll be right there. Hold on, I heard you. The moment we begin to call on his name, he begins to hear. 
But the problem is, too much of us have too much stuff in the way that he's got to push around to get there. So by the time he gets there, we've given up. And so, Brother Ray, you're my, you're my, you're my prop. You're always, you're such a good sport. Come here for a second. So Brother Ray is going to, he's going to play me. We're close enough, right? You're going to pray and ask the Lord to come, and I'm going to play God. And in about two seconds, I want you to sit down, okay? So here, here he is over here, and here I am. I'm, I'm God. He begins to call on my name, and I start coming. But because I didn't get there quick enough for him, he sits down, and when I show up, I'm like, I was coming, but you didn't wait for me because we got too much stuff. But when you only do that on Sundays, you've got six days of stuff to work through. However, when I've been with him on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday and Thursday and Friday and Saturday, when I walk in this place and I just say, Jesus, it doesn't take very long, honey, and all of a sudden, he's right there next to me. I can feel him. Because there's a flow in my life. There's a flow in my life. There's a flow. It's not a trickle. It's not, you know why some of you come into church is so laborious, and especially in the beginning? Because you've got all this pipe. You've let sit all week. You've got to flush all that out. And by the end of service, you're like, boy, this feels good. And then it's over. You're like, well, it just got good. No, it was good from the very first note. But you had distanced yourself from the source all week. And then you come on Sunday morning, and then you want the source to be right there. No, 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 no. He didn't say for the source to come to us. He said, let any man that thirst come unto me. So it's not that the source moves here. It's that we've got to get closer to the source. So that when we begin to open up our mouth, we begin to pray. He's there. Because you know what? I'm, I'm, I'm closing. One of the most amazing places I've stood is I've stood on top of the Hoover Dam. Such a majestic piece of architecture. Such an incredible feat of man to stand there. They say that even the core inside, after all these years, the core of the concrete is still not cured. After all these years, you stand on top of that. What's amazing is that dam has completely changed the entire nature of that river. Before that dam, that river was free-flowing. But that dam comes along and it blocks that river. And now man controls the speed of the flow. Before nature controlled it, the rains came, the snow melted, and depending on how much it was, the flow of the river changed. But now man has taken control of what God 
was in control of. I'm not here to say dams are wrong, please. Don't say, well, are you saying dams are not of God? Oh, Jesus, help us. I'm telling you, you have to say these things because there's always somebody that's going to ask you later. So I just get it out. Preemptive strike. But to watch this. But you know what? The Bible says, out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. But you know what? When you allow stuff in your life, you take a flowing river and you create a dam. And now you control the flow. And you know what? I've used this illustration before. Julian, you can come and give them hope. If you station before, years ago, we were out in the western part of our country, and it was too cool. Never seen this before. You don't get this around here. At least I don't know where you can get it around here. But we got to watch a beaver. It's too cool to watch a beaver build a dam. You watch them, and they go, and they nibble down a tree, and they drag it over. And they watch this. But you know what's cool about a beaver? is He doesn't have any special equipment other than his, his little teeth. So he has the ability to go down to Home Depot and buy stuff in bulk. So the beaver has to do it one limb at a time. But as long as he keeps adding a limb, he can take that river and he can dam it up. And there was one place we went where this beaver had dammed up this little river and it had become this just murky, yucky pond. It was never intended to be that, but because of the obstacles in the way, now it had turned into this murkiness, yucky, just ugh. It may not be this one catastrophic thing in your life. You maybe, just, maybe it's just one tree a week. You just drop in. The river's still flowing. It's just a little, little different than it was, but it's okay. Then another tree. Well, you know, it's still okay. Well, then a third tree. Well, you know, it's, it's changing, but it's not alarming. We can still get away. Then a fourth tree, then a fifth tree, then a sixth tree. Next thing you know, it's starting to trickle. Now all of a sudden it's like, well, you know, I don't know if I really want to go to church today. It's, it doesn't feel the same. Next thing you know, we've put enough trees in our life that we've created what's supposed to be this refreshing, life-giving flow, and we've created a stagnant pond. It's God's will that every one of you in here today have a flow of His Spirit in your life. Why? Because His Spirit flowing through your life allows this thing to steer your life. But instead of you being in control, He's in control. He said, I hasn't seen, ear hasn't heard, hasn't even entered into the heart of man what God has prepared for you. With all the things that you think is wrong with you, God has prepared all this stuff for you, Ray. All of this. Somehow we could just pull back the curtain. You would go, no, really? There's no way. There's no way God. Do you really know who I, no way God wouldn't do that. There's no way God could give someone like me all of that. But he said, I've given all this stuff. But he said, I can't reveal it to you with your eye, with your ear, even with your mind. But he said, here's how I'm going to show you what I have prepared. I'm going to show it to you by my spirit. 
not all good. I'm not going to figure it out here. I'm not going to see it here. I'm not, I'm not even going to hear it yet. But he said, I'm going to reveal it to you by your by the Spirit. As the Spirit flows in my life, things in my life begin to change without me even realizing they're changing. The Bible says there's righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. I can begin to let the Spirit of God flow, and all of a sudden I begin to feel peace, and I'm like, where's that peace coming from? I'm not even asking for it, because I've got to flow in my life. All of a sudden, I get joy. Not that I get happiness, I giggle at a joke. I'm talking about joy, joy, contentment in my life when I begin to let the Holy Ghost flow. Why? Because there's a flow in my life. If there's no flow in your life today, what is the opposite of joy? Sorrow, grief, mourning, frustration, pain, anguish? What's the opposite of peace? turmoil, doubt, fear. So if you've got those things in your life, the effect of it's not finding a better circumstance, a better job, better house, better this, better that, and that will change. No, no, no. The way to cure that in your life is to let the flow of the Holy Ghost come in your life. And when the flow of the Holy Ghost comes in life, righteousness. What's righteousness? It begins to wipe away all my shortcomings, all the things about it that begins to disqualify me. When I begin to let the Holy Ghost flow in my life, guess what? All of that begins to change because it's His righteousness, not my righteousness. Right where you're sitting, can you just close your eyes? Here's what I want you to do. I want you and the Lord to take an inventory of your life. And I want you to say, Lord... If there's anything in my life that's in me right now that's blocking the flow of your spirit in my life, I'm asking you, Lord, to take it out. God, if there's sin, forgive me for it. If there's things in my life, unforgiveness, hurt, pain, whatever it might be, there's, there may be things in my life, Lord, I don't even realize are in my life that are blocking the flow of your spirit. But Lord, I'm praying, God, that you would remove those things from me, that your spirit would would flow freely in my life. Can you just do that right now? Come on. Can you just pray? Maybe some of you need to repent. Some Some of you need to say, Lord, I know I've got some sin in my life that's blocking the flow of your spirit in my life. I'm asking you, Jesus, if you would let that just, if you would take it, take it from me, wash it, cleanse me, Lord. I want there to be a free flow in the name of Jesus. Come on, just do that for a moment. Just do that. Come on. God wants to manifest himself to you today. He wants to manifest yourself to you today. But there's some stuff in your life that needs to be removed so that the source can flow in your life. The moment you begin to pray, the hot water's coming. But because there's so much distance in there, you've got to give it some moment to let it flesh out all the junk in your life so that that living water, that fresh living water that's coming from the throne can flow in your life. Oh, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus. 
in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus. Come on, as you begin to do that, why don't you just lift your hands as you begin to release it to him? Why don't you begin to release your, open your hands and release it to him and let the flow of the Holy Ghost begin to go in you. Come on, let the flow of the Holy Ghost, let the flow of the Holy Ghost begin to flow through you. Come on, that living water. Oh, come on, church. If you're not praying for yourself, be sitting with somebody around you. Come on, let that flow. Come on, let that flow. Let there be a flow in your life. Don't leave here today if there's no flow. Well, it's not happening yet, preacher. Keep praying. It's not happening yet, preacher. Keep praying. The flow's coming. It's coming. He said, if you ask, I'll do it. Oh, if you've never received the baptism of the Holy Ghost today you've never spoken in a new tongue you can do that today you can do that today Jesus name Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Come on, church. If you're not praying for yourself, why don't you just take a moment, find somebody nearby and pray with them. Oh, in Jesus' name. Jesus' name. Oh. Oh, yes. I see a flow happening in this place. I see a flow in this place. Oh, river of the living water, river of the living water, river of living water, flow. Flow, 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 flow. flow. 